we ain't going nowhere. Do, 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 do. We ain't going nowhere. We can't be stopped now because it's BBP for life. <laughs> hey, what's up, citizens? I am your V podcaster host, Jay Starks, and welcome to the Bingo Book Podcast. We are on episode 32, and um, you know, I, I'm I'm guessing by the, the looks of our audio and everything. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Audio, everything's looking good right now. So we had some technical difficulties. We were still kind of trying to brush up on, but hey, we, we're here, we're live, and we're ready. So let's go ahead and talk about our summer 2022 anime discussions for our A-side slate. And today's episode, we'll be discussing several topics such as the phone voice. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That sexy voice that you put on. We are talking on the phone that that significant other or someone that you're crushing super hard on. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely be getting to that during today's episode. We'll also be talking about the value of setting traps. Now, however, be careful because you may be setting up for one right now. But hey, you know, we'll be discussing this and many, many more topics in today's episode. But first, we are going to continue with our discussion for our summer 22 anime discussion on our A slate, A side slate. And we'll start out with the first being season two of Classroom of the Elite, episode 11 titled a man who cannot command himself dot 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 there's a little bit more to that <laughs> to the title but i'm telling you like classroom and elite these these titles of episodes are way too long so i i gotta summarize them you know but yeah in this episode ruin enters classroom d to try and discover who the mastermind is folding his plans now koenji walks out of the room and ruin decides hey you know what? I'm going to follow him outside and I'm going to question him because he wanted to determine if he was the culprit who's been working so digitally behind the scenes. So Rowan goes on to say to uh, him, hey, you know, you think you can beat me alone? And Koenji said, replies with, I'm failing to imagine a reason why I couldn't. Woo! <laughs> Bruh, when I well, yo, when I heard that, when I heard Koenji pop off like that with just the utmost confidence, I just like, oh yeah, he, yeah, he, he got, he got the knuckle game, and so I had to have this conversation about the confidence in your knuckle game because not everybody has that, but there are some signs that you probably could pay attention to that could, you know, probably save you from a uh, moment of embarrassment or give you the signs of you probably should like walk away in this instance because you might not be in a favorable position. And so, you know, I feel like one of the tall tale signs of someone that is a good fighter is most real fighters don't scare easily. I mean, just think about it. Like, name, you know, think about any fighter that you come across like they seem to be uh, not worried about in any situation. They're they they're in a 
system where they believe they can weather just about any storm. And so if you see that there's a person that doesn't get shook up very easily and, you know, it's usually very casual about, you know, has this kind of nonchalant demeanor, that's probably a sign that they got a nice little knuckle game going on for themselves. Right. Um, another thing is if they're looking forward to an opportunity to showcase their talent, showcase the, their hand game. I mean, I was, you know, growing up and I'm sure like this is still something that a lot of people do today, whether it be sparring or, um, you know, just, uh, you know, just, just throwing punches, you know, with each other, you know, going back and forth and, uh, it's, you just see people sometimes where they're not afraid to say, you know what, let me just test how fast my hands are or what have you, you know, and that's the opportunities where they're looking for to show you just how good they are. You know, they're not, <laughs> they're not letting down any fade, any fade that's, that comes up. They're like, all right, let's, let's have that five minutes somewhere, you know? Um, then also product of your, being a product of your environment. Uh, you know, if there's someone that's in a family where maybe they had to constantly fight their brothers or sisters, you know, that makes a lot of sense of like why they're so confident because they've been fighting pretty much like all their youth, you know, along with their their siblings. And so it's like this is very normal to me. Right. Um, but it's also there could be like the constant fights that happen outside of a home. You know, I'm sure some of us may know of a person that it seemed like every week they were in school, they always got into a fight with somebody, you know, and over that time, just kind of gaining that experience. I like to think that they got better, you know, at fighting. I mean, you don't, you know, usually <laughs> experience helps out a lot, but you know, and that kind of takes me to, um, if you trained a significant amount now that that I feel like that is probably one of the most scariest things about someone that is confident in their knuckle game, because if they trained a lot in all these various ways of try of, of trying to fight, you know, hard work usually won't fail you. I mean, I really do believe that if you're a hard worker, if you train, if you work on something to get better at it, you're usually going to, get better you know there's not too many times where you're still the same or if not worse and so you know if you come across somebody that's like oh like i've been training in muay thai you know like like half my life or something like that i i don't know if that's a problem that you might want to be a part of right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, confidence in your knuckle game. Hey, if you got some stories about some moments where you had to showcase your knuckle game, feel free to put that in the comment section or, or in the chat. I would love to hear a story. All right, we are moving on to our next anime for discussion. And that is My Stepmom's Daughter is My Ex. Episode 11, titled The Former Couple Visits Relatives. Yikes. <laughs> that is that's a, that that title right there just scares the bejeebies out of me. Like I'm I'm I, I don't do too well in large crowds of people, and my family can be a little uh my family's pretty outgoing, I'll put it that way. 
<laughs> but yeah, in this episode starting scene, we get a flashback of Yume and Mizuto talking on the phone. And during this conversation, both of the characters were being very soft-spoken while blushing and just frantically and all that while they're doing all these different things in their exchange. And it made me think about the phone voice. Oh, yes. Like, I just trust me. Listen, I know that you've done it before. You're guilty. You're guilty. You did it just like this. Hold on, I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Hey, what's up, Ma? Yeah, of course. I got you, babe. Oh, I see <laughs> You see that? I'm telling you, yeah. Some of y'all out there, y'all know exactly what I mean by the phone voice. You know, you have this soft-spoken, very careful about how you say things, but you just have that touch on it. Or and sometimes it could be a very playful attitude, but it's usually that type of in your moment when you're with someone that you really, really like, uh, or maybe y'all are already a couple, which also kind of brings up the question of like. You know, when when do you stop using the phone voice with someone that you like? <laughs> you know, is it when y'all become an official couple? Y'all think so? Like, is it when you become an official couple and you're like, all right, you know, I got to kind of stay on my toes and say all these sweet nothings and all that and just make everything sound so super sexy. But no, nah, I mean, I don't I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that's when you stop when you become an official couple. I think it's when the relationship has been going on for some time now. And then as soon as you feel comfortable, you know, you're like, okay, we've been together for, you know, half, half a year. Like, it's like, it's cool. Like I got, I, I got that person. Like they're, they're mine. I don't have to showcase. I don't have to start. I don't have to do anything. Cause I know that they're going to be down with me you know, in, in, for however long we stay together. And so, yeah, like the phone voice is, I don't know, it's its interesting because I feel like nobody, it's not like somebody teaches you and says, hey, like when you're speaking to someone you like, like try to be like real cool about it and try to be like, you know, just, just relax. Like nobody tells you that. It's like an automatic um, instinct almost. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you automatically know like hey if i'm trying to court somebody like i need to be this type of way you know and i i, I to be honest i i like to think that um that's actually it works it works it works it's like the simple joys of um of just appreciating someone in that moment you know it's that uh What's the time? I'm, there's a specific word I'm looking for. It runs, it runs from me. But yeah, you know. So hey, if you have that phone voice, you know, definitely explain to me what your liner is, because I'm sure like everybody has that one liner in the tuck that they can bring out that that joke. Whether although I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna be honest with you, I only have corny jokes for you. So uh, if if you want that, you know, uh, you've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move on to our next anime title and that is vermil and gold episode 11 
titled Pass. Now, in this episode, Alto gets teleported into the psyche of Vermil and witnesses the life she had when she was a kid that took place over almost 400 years ago. Now, Vermil uh, was a very cheeky kid uh, when she was growing up, and she also had horns that were hidden by clothing materials to avoid townspeople knowing that she was a demon. Now, unfortunately, kids in the neighborhood, they did discover that she uh, had horns and they began to tease her and throw rocks at her uh, for being a demon. Although she was raised in a very loving family that instilled nothing but positive qualities in her, you know, and it just it I felt so bad for Vermil in this this anime, you know, this episode, because. You know, if you're someone like myself, you don't like to see other people get teased because they are different or they have something like that just really makes them stand out. Um, you know, and it just made me think about the curse of being different because um, we all know, like, in a lot of ways, different is a very loving thing. It's a, it's a very cool thing. It's something that... Um, you know, that a lot of people kind of aspire to, especially in the Western hemisphere of the world. Um, but it could also be a curse. So think about it. You know, you, you know, sometimes you're judged by your skin color, culture, height, weight, appearance, your clothes. I mean, etc. I mean, so many different things. However, uh, there are um, these are the very things that make us so unique and desirable to a, a lot of extents, right? So, for example, my favorite food right now is Bria tacos. I mean, I freaking love these tacos. I, I can't get enough. I try to make them myself and they, they come out pretty good. <laughs> but I mean, just listen to how crazy this sounds. I hate you because you like burrito tacos and anybody that eats that food should suffer. Like what? Wait, first of all, if you haven't even tried the, the type of taco, how are you even going to try to cast judgment on it, right? And if you don't like it, why do you have to be so upset and angry with others who do like it? You know, it, it just, I, that, that just, it infuriates me just thinking about that. But hey, you know, if you're listening, you may be different. You may not have many friends, people who support the things that you like to do, um, et cetera. But don't let what other uh, people's feelings, um, you know, don't let their feelings project that on you. You know, you know, sit in your own truth and you know love yourself that's really all i can I say you know we all go through some different and unique situations um but you know I, I really do think that you know the differences that we have that's what makes us so special uh and you know the bullying that usually goes on because uh people are different you know maybe they're not wanting to be in this popular clique maybe they like to be by themselves or look timid and so they target certain people because of them standing out so much in a different way. And, um, you know, a lot of, you know, when it comes down to being young, that can just be just being immature. And I understand that, but I'm talking mostly like about, 
you know, adults, like older adults that still have this type of mentality uh, with people with differences. And it's sickening, to be honest, you know, but okay, but we we move, we move, we move uh, to our next anime discussion. And that is... Engage Kiss, episode 11, titled Gentle Foolish Lies. And this episode, we receive a flashback of when Shu first met and captured Kisada in efforts to carry a on a contractual ritual that would help Shu defeat high-level demons and reach his goal. Um, after the contract, Shu provided Kisada with a manual that described the directives and negotiables of her and Shu's contract to which she had to carry out. Now, <laughs> that's kind of crazy, though. Like, you form a contract with somebody, and they hand you this big, thick, like, 300-page manual and say, hey, like, I'm, I'm commanding you to read through all this and understand the rules of this contract and then after that we'll be good to go man it would take me a lifetime to try to sit and read through that book <laughs> but yeah i mean forming a contract you know it's it's interesting because um you know in this screenshot for those that are watching the live stream uh, you'll see that Casada is sitting in what appears to be like uh, alchemy seals or rings. And you, you know, when it comes down to um, anime, you'll usually see this type of, of contract uh, with these kind of like symbols and all that there. Now, they often uh, require blood also from the person that's initiating the contract spell. Uh, now, the thing about these contracts is that they're binding, they're binding, bind, they bind you to that person. But what does binding mean? So I looked up the definition for binding and it states binding is of an agreement or promise involving an obligation that cannot be broken. Now, <laughs> imagine what the single or divorce rates would be like if this type of power existed, right? <laughs> it would be crazy. Like, man, people would be like, people would be together through the roof, you know? And you're not breaking this contract. We formed this. Wait, it really is to death do us part, you know? <laughs> but uh, sometimes uh, there are rules that are part of the contract to keep that binding intact. Um, if either party of a sp or maybe even a specific person were to break that rule, then it could lead to the contract being broken. And, you know, I, I feel like most people would like this, you know, when it comes down to uh, a contract of, of something like that, especially if you're bound by, you know, with another person, you know, most people would want an out, you know, some way to uh, break that contract and move on and, and do something else uh, within their life, you know, have a, a change of scenery, whatever the case may be. And so I find that in most of our animes that we watch, whenever there's some type of contract there usually is an out of some sort there's very very little animes out there where uh you know a contract is forged and that's just the bottom line you know but which i i think that out always makes the shows 
that much more interesting, you know? Um, but even in the real world, contracts hold a very significant amount of power that could benefit, you know, one person or all parties that are involved. Uh, you know, for example, you know, if you received a contract for over $500 million in guaranteed money, as long as you did three specific things before you signed that contract. Now, most people, I mean, <laughs> honestly, would say, okay, like I need to know what these three specific things are because I want to do them so that I could get that guaranteed money, right? Uh, but hey, you know, you gotta, gotta be careful about the terms and conditions of that contract because, you know, there's some people that will be willing to do something strange for a little bit of change. Well, a lot of change. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I can neither uh, confirm nor deny what I have done for money. Uh, what I know, I can confirm. I get the money. I get the money. It's I. It's there's there's no um things that I need to do, but work hard to get that. They like be watching. Like yeah, right, Jay. <laughs> All right, moving on to our next anime discussion, and that is. Season four of Overlord, episode 11, titled Well-Prepared Traps. Now, in this episode, Ayn seems to be fighting a strong warrior named Riku Ajinia, who tries to do a stealth attack against Ainz while he was observing Albedo's fight with Azuth Aindra. However, before Riku could even finish his attack, a trap detonated right underneath his feet and it allowed Ainz to put some distance between both of them at that moment. And, you know, it's like the little things that we really don't get to see, we kind of take for granted or we don't think about, the value of setting traps. I, I think this is a really cool conversation because um, there's a lot of different things that could be valuable you know if you set traps properly and so one of them could be it allows you you know we kind of said this earlier uh discussing you know this episode but you know being able to gain distance between you and your foe i mean it's it's true like you know with Ains going against riku he was able to to kind of jump out and you can see this for those that are watching the live stream um you know we see Ains kind of hightailing it out of there after this explosion and really putting himself uh putting some distance between himself and whoever the enemy is so uh, you know, it it really provides some cover in a lot of uh, ways if you think about it that way. Um, another thing about traps is they can slow down the uh, the enemy. You know, it's like imagine uh, if the enemy knows that you have a whole bunch of traps being set, they're most likely going to be a lot more careful about their approach because they don't, you know, they don't want to set off anything uh, or, and they don't want to get hurt. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the ultimate thing is like, Hey, let us not get injured or have a serious fatality uh, in this situation. We'll be careful. And, you know, if that means we have to send out some type of like 
robotic scout or something like that. We're like, we'll do that and we'll take our time as meticulous as it may be. Um, but in the end, you know, we'll get to whatever our destination is a, a bit much safer. But for someone that laid those traps down uh, and slowed down the enemy, it may give them the, the ability to like try to, you know, put some more distance between them and, you know, escape or uh, make some more plans. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can go about that. Right. Um Another is it'll allow you to observe some of your opponent's strengths, potentially. And what I mean by that is imagine if uh, you're at this bunker that's at the, the on this very, very high hill and you set traps like all, you know, be below you, like all the way beneath you uh, in the area that's like on the outside of a field from your bunker that's sitting really high uh, on a hill. Well, if you have the ability to watch your opponents kind of like, uh, you know, uh, transport or, or get through these traps that you set, then you might have a chance of looking and see like how strong they are because like, oh, like they have a very good uh, intelligence team. You know, whoever is commanding their squads, like they know exactly where to flank, you know, they know uh, how much distance they should have apart from each other. Like just so many different things is that you could possibly collect data from uh, your opponent. So I, I feel like a lot of video games that we play today, um, they may have some type of trap mechanics uh, and, you know, fighting games. I mean, they have, I can definitely tell you that there are some characters that have, um traps that they can use kind of for like set play uh and you know put you in scenarios where you have to make a decision and based on that decision that you make most time when that most of the times when that trap is out that's when they'll say okay like this is the way that you react to most situations i collect data so i know that this is this should most likely be the response i should have most of the times I put you in that situation, or it could also be a mind bending um, strategy too, to where you trip up your enemy and you do make a different decision that could end up, uh, you know, winning you the game or something like that, you know? Um, but uh, then we also have, you know, you, you're able to also isolate certain foes, you know? And what I'm, you know, mean by that is uh, let's say that you have, a trap that's set for like something that's like really, really huge and it falls into this hole. And now you just, uh, you know, rid, rid them of one unit that's really, really huge. It could potentially like blow the doors off the hinges uh, on your castle or something like that. You know, that's uh, a, a nice way to isolate someone uh, that you're you're expecting, you know, that type of uh, of enemy. And then lastly, I feel like, you know, being able to take out a large number of opponents, you know, if you have a specific trap that you set, and if uh, depending on how many enemies there are, it could be like, let's say 5,000 enemies, like, boom, like that is significant. Like that trap that you set and wiped out 5,000 plus people, I mean, that really puts you in a, a much more positive position uh, you know if you're trying to win a war or you know if you're playing a game of some sort uh and you know it's about kind of outsmarting your opponent so man like 
traps like are <laughs> traps are serious like and you see this in almost every um you know kind of uh genre you know if you think about uh card games you know there's a lot of times where you see um people that are really good at card games and they set certain traps hoping that you'll use you know some of your more powerful spells or cards to eventually uh you'll you know run out and you've kind of like exhausted like some of your best stuff and now it's like okay now i can start utilizing some of my best cards because i laid out all these weak traps for you uh just so i can see what you have in, in your hand so yeah it's a very very much a, a strategy thing and i feel like uh this is a historic thing that's been around for a long time but sometimes we may not think about that because of how simplistic it sounds you know <laughs> but hey you know that is our uh a side for conversations for our anime discussions i am going to take a short break we will return with our b-side anime discussions and character analysis so hey don't touch that screen i'm telling you don't do it don't do it <laughs> this is the bingo book podcast and we will be right back all right we are back citizens if you are a new listener or watching our live stream content i am your v podcaster host jay starks and welcome to the bingo book podcast we are on episode number 32 and you know what let's go ahead and get into our summer 2022 anime discussions for our b-side slate in this episode or i should say part of the episode <laughs> we'll be discussing several topics such as talking about your crush with friends ah ah yes the joys of sharing details with your friends that make you blush or gush joyously wait blush gush and yeah, that, that rhymed <laughs> <laughs> we'll also be discussing the origin of vampires yes our fanged foes uh, or friends depending on where you stand in the conversation i guess uh, we'll be talking a little bit about the history of vampires uh and many many more topics in today's episode so let's not waste any time and hop right on into it shall we Okay, we'll have our first anime for discussion, and hopefully OBS is working with the brother. <laughs> ah, yes. So we have season two of Shadow's House, episode 11, titled The Answer of the Two. And in this episode, Shadow Mary Rose um, and her human doll, Rosemary, receive a flashback of their journey to become star bearers. And in this journey, they eventually find out the truth that comes with entering the shadow's wing of the house and becoming an adult. Now, for some of you that have probably not watched Shadow's House, uh, I highly recommend this anime. Uh, I, and I'll be talking about this more probably more extensively next week um because we uh, have our season finale which I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about but we're going to do a tier list like I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that when we do our just chatting session but you know uh some of this may not make sense to you but ultimately what you should take away from this is shadows um have the ability 
to use powers called suit and in the end when they become adults they pretty much like absorb the humans they absorb they pretty much like eat away at the humans they become the human it's it's a, it's a ride it's a ride of an anime but you know this episode made me want to talk about the idea of not wanting to become an adult now think about it how many of you out there have been like man adulting sucks i actually had we, we actually had a title called adulting sucks some episodes back and i just have to hammer away at this because adulting sucks <laughs> but you know some of the things that you may be responsible for i mean there's many of them but uh there are a few that i feel are like at the tippy tippy top of the screen or um uh, of the list <laughs> and one of them is paying bills like think about it like paying bills like if if i could just hand my bills to someone to say hey can you can you take care of this every single time like i'd, I'd be very joyous i'd be happy you know gleeful even <laughs> but paying bills that's definitely one of the things that when you become an adult you're just like oh why does it have to be like this i really had like it's important for me to make sure I have a roof over my head. Yes. <laughs> and then I think the next one is you have to get enough sleep. Now, some of you, I know that y'all kind of play around with your sleep. You know, I know people that say, oh, I only get three hours of sleep a day or five hours of sleep a day. And that's just kind of the cycle that I'm on. I, I honestly, I don't know how y'all do it. I don't, I don't. If I only got three hours of sleep a day, I'd be like, man i ain't gonna make it today y'all <laughs> i'm tired <laughs> I, I mean legit i'm i'm the type of person that would probably throw a futon or uh you know what they call them um air mattress i throw an air mattress in the middle of my job and go lay down and they just gonna have to deal with it like <laughs> I got that's how much I care about my sleep. I got to get my my beauty rest, you know. Uh, but you know, that's how your your boy stays looking young and fresh. Hey. <laughs> uh another thing is earning money, you know, earning money. You you got to do that. You know, as an adult, you that's one of the things that is going to happen. If you don't earn that money, um, you know, you're you're in probably in bad shape, you know, and you know, it sometimes it takes a village, you know, you work with your family or friends, associates, or uh, maybe you set up something uh indiscreetly with a roommate of some sort that you met online or something, and y'all say, Hey, like let's split these bills up. But either way it goes, you're most likely gonna have to earn money one way or another. Some people are like, oh. Uh, Dang, where where the where the where the Jason uh, OF at? Nah, 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 nah. We we not we not going down that route. Nah, nah, we good, we good, we good. Trust, trust, trust. <laughs> um, and then lastly, I mean, you have to make important decisions, and like being an adult, like these are kind of like this is like probably the biggest things because it all encompasses everything when you're making these decisions whether it be what you're going to eat tonight how long is that food going to stretch um uh you know okay i gotta make sure that i put gas in the car around this time because if i don't i'm going to be driving on e and that's going to probably make me late for work or whatever the case you got 
tons of different things that you have to juggle on a daily. And look, I feel for you. If you are the adult that's just bobbing your head like Jay, like preach, you preach into the choir. Hey, I, I, I'm with you. I, I understand. Hey, we will get through this together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to our next anime for discussion, and that is When Will Ayamu Make His Move? Episode 11, titled I Want to Get Stronger, Senpai. So he's like, Oh, I'm about to get in the lab and just start just going ham, going hammers, right? <laughs> but in this episode, Urushi goes on a four-day trip to Nara with her school friends Maki, Hinano, and Miku. That's interesting. I actually went to uh, Nara when I was in Japan in very, very cool city. Like, a lot of things, uh, sites to, to look at, um, some really historical things there as well. I, if I had time, I would have tried to put some pictures up, but it would have took me forever to kind of go through my album when I was in Japan. So I was like, I'll just save that for another time someday. But uh, yeah, you know, in this episode, during this trip, uh, the girls start to pester Urushi about her potential crush on Tanaka and, you know, tried to get her to spill the tea on their relationship. I was like, oh, like, man, like spilling the tea. Like they want to know about your relationship. But yeah, so talking about your crush with friends, you know, how many of, of y'all out there that's watching or listening have done that? You know, I, I feel like, you know, sometimes friends will talk about the good points of your crush. And what I mean by that is like, okay, imagine uh, you're with your friends and one of your friends says, oh yeah, like uh, she, you know, uh, he or she, uh, you know, always smells so good. You know, they always wearing good perfume or cologne. And I, you know, for me, I kind of look sideways like, um, like, oh, so you just checking out my guy, my chick like that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that happens sometimes with friends like they may they may feel confident enough to share what they think is cool about that person and a lot of times it's kind of playful gestures of like that's why like that's such a good person for you because that's what made this is one like uh attribute that makes them so good you know and 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 we see why you would want to date them or whatever but I still feel like that is kind of weird you know um but it also depends on how close you are with your friends uh, as far as how much you're willing to share or discuss. Because if these are just like associates, you know, like you're cool with them, but not like best friends type of zone area, then you're, you might not feel that comfortable sharing that much information about how you feel with your crush. I mean, some people, uh, they don't want to be judged very fast. You know, they don't want to come across as like, oh, like I'm talking about these different things I like about a person. So now these associates of yours are starting to label you like, oh, like Jay just, he a little slut, you know, he, he fast as hell running out there. He, you know, he, Jay for the streets out there. It's like, dang, like y'all putting all that on my name. Like this is crazy. But uh, so, you know, you may only want to share some good qualities uh, in detail, but not everything 
uh, about that person that you probably would with someone that you're much closer with. So, you know, hey, I totally understand, you know, depending on uh, the type of friends that you have, you might not feel comfortable sharing uh, everything with them. But, you know, I, having friends to be able to talk about stuff like that with is always like one of the pros. Like, I feel like you kind of expect that to be the thing that you can share with your friends. But I mean, I'm going to be honest with guy friends that rarely happens. <laughs> I mean, it really does rarely happen. I can't think of many scenarios where I talk to my guy friends about, you know, a, a chick or dude or whoever that I was interested in. And uh, their response was like, Oh yeah, like I, you know, that turns to totally this and that, and you know, supporting me on and everything. Like, no, like, don't necessarily get into conversations like that. And I, I kind of wonder is that because um, I think it's just been like guys in general, like we don't really care about all those details. It's like if you come to us and ask for like some pointers or some like some assistance to give you some advice or whatever. Like, yeah, I think we'll support you in that way, but trying to get into like the details, of everything is kind of like, we, we, it's like, we don't touch like that's hot. Like we don't want to be a part of that. And, you know, I, I feel like that's for good reason. A lot of times, because I've definitely seen scenarios where somebody likes a specific person and a friend knows all this about another person and they start having feelings for that person. And it just becomes a whole mess and a snowball effect that only gets worse and worse and worse over time. So <laughs> yeah, some of y'all is out there listening. Y'all probably like, Hey, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, Jay. I've seen that happen before and it was, it was bad. It was all bad. <laughs> okay. Let's go ahead and move on to our next anime for discussion. And that is, oh, you gotta, oh, you gotta love it. <laughs> Call of the Night, episode 11, title 11 Night, 11 Night, <laughs> 11th Night, Do You Know What a Vampire Is? And in this episode, Ko meets a strange adult named Anko Yugushi. Yugusu. Yugusu. That's a tongue twister right there. Well, he, he meets her at a cafe and uh, she seemed like she looked like she was very tired. And as a result of this, he's like, hey, like, I'm trying to comfort you, console you. I want to offer this cuddling service that I have with my friend and you know, I, I think this could help you and allow you to get some rest. And, you know, she was like, hey, that's that's cool. You know, but you're a young, you're a kid and and I'm really not trying to, like, get into any like bad situations. So she declines and they decide to go their separate ways. But ironically, they end up meeting each other a bit later uh, and in this moment, when they, they met up the second time, she actually helped protect Ko and his friends from a violent vampire who starts lashing out and basically trying to kill them. Um, and we learned that this lady is a private detective that specializes in ca uh, cases involving vampires and also knowing the secrets of them and how to kill them as well. And I was like, dang, like that's actually pretty badass. Like she is this, 
you know, detective that has this very unique personality about herself. Like she, honestly, she's really not like a lot of um, vampire hunters that I've seen in other animes. So she has her own kind of thing going for herself. So I, I feel like at least the the fandom that's watching Call of the Night would probably take a liking to Anko a lot. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to talk about the origin of vampires here a little bit now um now the word vampires first appeared in english in 1732 and news reports about a vampire epidemic in eastern europe now after austria gained control of northern serbia and altenia with the treaty of passerwitz which i hopefully hopefully i didn't uh uh butcher that that name but uh that had that treaty happened in 1718 and officials noted that the local practice of exhuming or exhuming bodies and killing vampires uh, happened around this time so these reports around that around that time frame uh between 1725 and 1732 became very widespread publicly. So, you know, like killing vampires and bodies being exhumed was like a tag that, if you think about social media, it was a trending topic and it lasted for for dang near seven years. You know, like that's, that actually sounds kind of (laughs) crazy. A trending topic that lasted for seven years. You know, that's, that's wild. But, um, in the folklore of vampires, uh, the notion of vampirism has actually existed for a long time. Um, cultures such as the Mesopotamians, Hebrews, ancient Greeks, uh, Manipuri, which I'm not very familiar with, and Romans had uh, tales of demons and spirits, which are also considered precursors to what is today known as the modern vampire. So, uh, like, you know, there's elements, I guess you could say, from these demons and spirits that kind of contribute to what the vampire is today. So despite the occurrence of the vampiric creatures in these ancient civilizations, uh, the folklore for the entity known as vampires today originates almost exclusively in the early 18th century in southeastern Europe. So uh, they're pretty much saying like, you know, hey, around the early 18th century, this is when we really, really started to hear like the term vampires a lot more. Um, and so when this verbal traditions uh, also started to happen amongst other ethnic groups uh, of the region, and they were recorded and published around that time, too. So uh, like <laughs> it kind of goes back to that widespread of uh, the um, exhuming bodies that happened. You had a lot of different stories being published around that time frame. Uh, but the belief was that in most cases, vampires or remnants of evil beings, suicide victims, or witches, um, but they can also be created by ben- uh, malevolent, <laughs> malevolent spirits uh, possessing a corpse or by getting bitten by another vampire. So, um, which is kind of, I mean, when I think about this kind of statement with vampires, it's almost like, um, it's almost like scavenging in a way, you know what I'm saying? Like when you think about uh, buzzards or 
what are the other one? Vultures that come and they kind of like mess around with dead bodies. It seems like vampires historically have been um, kind of that, like kind of possessing something that's already been dead in a way, at least by that statement. Uh, interesting okay let's let's move forward with this so um there's also belief in uh such legends that became pervasive in some areas uh where there was mass hysteria and even public executions of people believed to be be vampires so uh imagine if you're in uh, a city where you know, you're you're walking outside and <laughs> there's tons of people around. And then in the blink of a, like a snap of a finger, people just go crazy. Like they just go ballistic out of their mind, just sicko mode. <laughs> that actually sounds like a fire, like meme video or something like that with sicko mode playing and a bunch of people just going like ballistic. But uh, I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. I, I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't have those type of thoughts, but sound looks cool. Um, yeah, and even like public executions, which I feel like there's so many things that um tie into myth when it comes down to executions because witches, which we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, are one you know kind of tie into vampires. You know, you definitely hear that a lot with um uh, executions as well. So. Vampires and witches almost feel like reflective of each other in some way. Like witches, maybe that was more so meant for um, the female archetype. And then you had vampires that might have probably fit the male archetype. If it feels that way a little bit to me, you know. Um, but when it comes down to protecting yourself from a vampire, many stories say items that are able to ward off revenants uh, are very common in vampire folklore. So garlic is a common example, which is a branch of wild rose and hawthorn uh, are also said to be things that harm vampires as well. So uh, garlic is definitely something that I've, I've heard like historically that can kind of um, ward off vampires. And it's kind of like, I kind of get it because garlic is such a loud, uh, what garlic is garlic considered a spice. See, I don't even know this. <laughs> I should know this as much as I cook with garlic. That makes no sense. But, uh, but yeah, like it's, it's very potent. It's very loud. Um, I, I, I can see like some people, they may feel like turn their nose up to garlic, although it smells so freaking good. I can't, I don't know. I, I, if I was a vampire, I would be one of those like, oh man, like what you cooking up in there? Like, and <laughs> I'm gonna bite your neck to the the sweet smells of garlic, you know. But uh, then we say so. Wild rose and hawthorn was also something that harmed vampires. So I mean, roses, hawthorn. I mean, they're all pointy, uh, brittle. You know, they the the even like the 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 thought of it is like prickly something that you're not supposed to touch. So that kind of makes sense, like lore-wise, right? Um, but it also says in Europe, sprinkling mustard seeds on the roof of a house was also said to keep them away too. So um, I don't, mustard seeds, that's kind of, I don't know, mustard seeds is kind of weird. But I mean, considering there's so many people that I know that do not like mustard, 
<laughs> so, so I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of people in Europe don't like mustard. Maybe I don't know. That's a like a really far fetched, uh, like stretch of a, a, a thing to say, you know. And I'm definitely not putting that on nobody. But I mean, that's what it's that's what this context. That's what it's given to me, you know. But I I absolutely love mustard. It is my preferred condiment when it comes to like sandwiches and stuff like that like i'm telling you if you were to hand me some mayonnaise i would slap that junk out your hand so fast <laughs> but um they say other atropiacs atropiacs i don't know apotropiacs i don't know how to say this <laughs> include sacred items such as crucifixes rosemary or holy water and so yeah we definitely heard of these uh kind of warding thing items too like uh holy water definitely being one of them for sure um but yeah vampires are also said to be unable to walk on consecrated ground such as that of churches or temples and also crossing over bodies of running water so that's that's interesting. So we we can pretty much like at a process of elimination that vampires was not Jesus. <laughs> I, I I thought that was hilarious, but whatever. <laughs> All right, moving on to our next anime for discussion, and that is am I? Lycoris Recoil, episode 12, titled Nature versus Nurture. Ooh, nature versus nurture. I feel like that's the um the yin and yang that we see when it comes down to our environment, right? Uh, but in this episode, Chisato and Takina are working together to stop Majima. Uh, and his plans to expose the Lycoris agency. Now, during this epic battle, which was like, it was, ah, man, Matt, like it was so good. Like just watching this anime, but I, I'm, I'm going to try to save my um, wonderful words for this series until our season finale. When, when I cover the tier list of our shows, but uh, just good. You know, I feel good. That's all I can say. So for now, but uh, during this battle, the Lycoris commander, Kusunoki, receives orders to step down uh, and their parent company, Lilybell, would soon be arriving. So uh, Lycoris is the sister company consisting of all women agents, while you have the Lilybell, which is the parent company containing all male agents. And, you know, they, they seem to have the priority over the Lycoris group. So, you know, it made me think about the origin of sister companies, you know, and, and um, now here's the thing, sister companies, like where does that come from? Right? Like where, what, what does this even mean? So sister companies derives from the term subsidiary or subsidiary company, which is also known as a daughter company. So I feel like, for the most part, the daughter company, that's kind of how you got the sister company out of that, you know, but uh, a subsidiary company is a company 
owned or controlled by another company, which is called the parent company or holding company. So in this uh, example, it would seem that Lily Bell is being the parent company owns uh, Lycoris, which is the sister company. I mean, that's the way it it seems so far in the anime. Um, now, I'll be honest with y'all. I struggled to find any other evidence as to like why this phrase even exists with um, sister company. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really guessing that it had a lot to do with like how women were seen historically in some countries or eras of our past. And so that's kind of like what I'm, 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 thinking could be where it derived from but hey you know if you find more info about this uh, on the interwebs or maybe you know somebody that has some history when it comes out to business feel free to drop it in the chat or comment session you know i i'd love to learn more i mean as you can see like this is uh a definitely some uh, a show that has some educational values to it <laughs> <laughs> but you know and i'm sure other people would like to learn a little bit about this too i mean it's unique it's, it's different right okay let's move on to our next anime for discussion and that is season four of is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon episode nine titled lampton Ill Omen. Whoa, 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 whoa there. Whoa there. Don't go there. <laughs> uh, in this episode, Bell escapes his expedition party in order to find the gale wind Ryu Lion. And uh, when Bell finally discovers Lion, uh, she's standing over a body that has been maimed and appears like she was, you know, pretty much guilty of torturing that person. And Bell, you know, really caring about Lion so much, you know, he really didn't want to believe that Lion was guilty of this, of ruthlessly murdering adventurers for no reason. And so he decided, you know what, I'm going to ask her to give me the answer to one specific question about an adventurer's death. And after receiving her response, he chose to believe in Lion and stay on her side infinitely. And I mean, look, believe in your friends. I mean, if this was not a great example in that, like, you know, there here's a person in Bell that really, really cared about a Lion, felt like, you know, she's taught him a lot and has aided him and been there for his familia. And in a moment of disparity where it seemed like a lot of people were against her. You know, he really didn't want to believe any of the negative comments that were being said to her. And, you know, also considering like, yeah, we all have um, our, our things that we might not be too proud of, but, you know, ultimately she has good reasons for why she did it. And if I was in her shoes, I might do the same thing. But to say that she is, uh, like beyond ruthless and really just wants to just take people out of the, uh, life away for no reason at all, just for game, so to speak. You know, he really didn't seem to believe that uh, about Lion. So when Lion uh, gave, you know, her reasoning, he's like, you know what? I'm sticking to you by you 100%. 
uh, because I really do believe that you were in uh, betray our friendship and man like how many like how often would you be put in the crosshairs of a situation like this where you had to take up for a friend and you had all of these other people um and maybe even a little bit of evidence that said that say otherwise that your your friend that you're you've been supporting for so long uh is not the as good as they seem to be and so at that moment you have to decide like okay am I going to still ride or die with my friend in this situation? Or, you know, am I going to, uh, you know, try to see if I can fend off people and collect a little bit more information before I make my decision? Or, if you know, does the information that's been provided so much stack up too high to where, you know, you have to make a decision of not being friends with that person anymore uh, because of the severity of the situation. And man, I tell you, like, you know, when odds are stacked against some against people, you really get to see the true colors of people. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Like, I, this is definitely not me uh, uh, trying to, you know, uh, sugarcoat anything, because if your friends actions are something that are just make them abysmal, just make them a terrible person, then all by all means, you know, make that decision to go the other way and not be friends, excommunicate, whatever you have to do with that person. Like that's understandable. But we're talking about in situations where it's really not a deal breaker, you know, what what what's happening, you know, and uh depend and also like depending on the evidence that's brought against that person. Uh, maybe you're like, man, that's, that's BS. Like, like that, my, my, my homegirl and my homeboy, they're not like that. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Their actions of how they've been a friend to me completely outweigh like whatever it is that y'all have going on in your situation. And so you may feel like that. And there's sometimes where you might just isolate the situation and say, um, you know what? That's between you and them. I ain't got nothing to do with that. But me and this person, they never treated me wrong. They never did anything bad to me. So I'm still going to remain friends with this person, you know, until something happens to where I, I, I can't, you know, can no longer be friends with them again. And I feel like situations like that are somewhat understandable, too. You know, I'm sure a lot of you that are watching and listening, you know, have friends uh, that you know, may not be friends with some of your friends, you know, because they don't like their attitude or their personality or how they handle themselves or how they communicate. You know, I have some friends where they are very um, blunt and, you know, it's hard for them to kind of hold back their tongue. And um, they're because of sometimes uh, them being antisocial, they may not know how to like really, um, engage in a conversation to keep everybody feeling, um, I'm not gonna say like feeling good, but just try not to offend somebody, you know? And, uh, sometimes when you have people that are more brash, you know, rough around the edges, it's like, man, don't, don't bring that person around me because they always bring the vibe down or whatever the case may be. And it's like, dang, like, like, and in your mind, you're thinking like, man, like my friend, like he's dope. You know, she's dope. Like, yeah, like she's, you know, a little thorny in some, some areas, but 
you know, she's reliable, you know, and that's really all that, that matters to you. But, you know, it, it, it happens sometimes, you know, not everybody can get along or play along, but, you know, you try to do the best that you can, right? Um, why is my pen out? <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't supposed to be coming out yet. <laughs> but hey, you know, that is the end of our episode. You know, if you are our DSP listeners, whether uh, you're on our uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, what have you, you know, we greatly appreciate you for listening in. Uh, definitely make sure that you check us out uh, on our YouTube, Twitch, our Facebook live stream pages. And hey, if you are watching on our live stream pages right now, stick around. I'm going to take a quick break. We'll come back with our character analysis. And, you know, we